a listener production. This episode is brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Hello, Shane Jacobson and Jeff Gwillem. How are you? We're great. Am I allowed to speak for you, Jeff? You can. Go you ahead. Can, yeah, he's that's, good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> the boss was with us a fortnight ago. He was a bit a bit short to begin with. Did the episode go okay, Jeff? Uh, Shane and I, you know, did we pass? Is everything all right? <laughs> I've got coffee this time, okay? So that, yeah. I, I oh. think that was the factor. I'm coffeeed up oh. and I'm ready to go. All engines are Caffeine. lit. And Rusty, we, we should... Tell our audience, Rusty, we've got Rusty in a separate room from me and Jeff because you oh, sound a bit it. terrible. <laughs> have you got it. COVID? I have not got COVID. I, you sound terrible. You talked in the last episode about being a bit OCD with number plates. I'm OCD around this sort of stuff. I've tested three times. I'm not positive, but it's lovely of you to have stuck me in the wardrobe. I'm in some silly wardrobe here in the studio, miles from you two, <laughs> but we can all have a wonderful conversation together. And why don't we embrace our beautiful listeners while we're at it. Welcome everybody to another edition of The Grill. We're out fortnightly. This is our second one for the month of March. So we're going to talk about... And possibly your last, Rusty, because you've got COVID. Yes. <laughs> I do not have... Stop it. Stop it. I do not have COVID. Uh, VFAX figures, we will We'll get onto that very shortly. We did um, the first instalment of that in the last fortnight. What about Bob Marley's Rangy Classic? You fancy owning that if you uh, spend a bit of money at the auctions? You've given us a couple of photographs of this this car, okay? And it's a 1980s. <laughs> it, it says Range Rover Classic. It looks to me like a burnt-out wreck. It looks exactly like a burnt-out wreck. Don't spoil it, you two. Don't spoil it. We'll bring people that in the news. In the listener mail, Karen from Paran wants to know if there's a difference between Aussie and New Zealand drivers. Oh, stand by for that. Well, that's going to have to be you that answers that one. That's if you're still alive by the end of the app and you haven't died of COVID. Listen, Karen, I don't have COVID, and let me promise you, it's excellent. Everything is excellent here. Time now for some news. So what the hell, let's go straight with, because we were going there a moment ago anyway with you two maniacs, the 1980 Range Rover Classic, one and only Bob Marley owned this beast, right? It's going under the hat. When, when Jeff said it looks terrible, Rusty, sorry to cut you off, I know he made a joke and said it looks like a burnt-out wreck. <laughs> But it's not a joke. It looks like a burnt-out wreck. Like, <laughs> did he drop a joint on the floor and set fire to it? What happened? It looks like it. I mean, the Top Gear story, they're the ones who've written this. Um, here's a quote from it. This crusty old rangy is in desperate need of some TLC. <laughs> that is an understatement. Well, you know the engine's in the boot, don't you? What? So there's the, the engine's in parts in the back of it. There's no windows. God knows how. The, it's got the headlamp still on it. God knows how the headlamp survived. And, well, first of all, I'm just amazed that it's anywhere apart from the scrappy. But then I read further into the story and somebody came across the registration documentation that said that Robert Nesta Marley owned it. Nesta? Was that his middle name? That's it. Well, that's his middle name. Now, I have to tell you this. If I'd have found that registration certificate, I'd have just binned it. And actually just, if I could have got the car picked up for 20 bucks, I'd have just got rid of it. Because That's a really good point. I would not have gone, you're right, Robert, Nesta would throw you Marley. <laughs> Imagine right. if you did, you got it crushed. And then someone oh, said, wouldn't, yeah. that, wouldn't that be Bob Marley? You oh, yeah. It couldn't be. Oh. That's that thing when you hear 
when you're used to hearing oh, it abbreviated, no. I got I was running late to a flight once, <laughs> and they made an announcement at the Tullamarine Airport, which said, "Could Shane Jacobson and <laughs> and Anthony Abbott please make your way to the flight? It's awaiting you." And I thought nothing of it until I got there, and there was our Prime Minister at the time, our sitting Prime Minister Tony Abbott, uh, Prime Minister. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think of that when I heard Anthony Abbott because he was Tony Abbott. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, and I should special mention to Lisa McCune, the wonderful actress and probably Australia's nicest human, sent me a text saying you're keeping fine company. She, she figured out. <laughs> she who got it. Was. <laughs> can we, while we're talking about Bob Marley, can we just uh, special mention to the wonderful, the late, the great Daryl Eastlake? Um, I wonder if Rusty knows where I'm going. When the NASCARs raced at the Grand Prix, they had the the NASCARs and Oscars raced on the flat track at the Grand Prix one year, Daryl Eastlake was commentating and this was something he said because they were spewing off the track all over the place. They're a big car to try and get around a flat track. And one of the NASCARs kept going off, off the track and he said, oh, look at this young fella. He's on the grass more than Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work with him one year in uh, in the late in the late 90s and, and so he was the main caller of the bike GP with Barry Sheen and I was doing some support category stuff with uh, Alan Jones, 1980 Formula One world champion. You know, I'm this overawed kid in production meetings uh-huh. and uh, he goes, hey, pal, you can use my microphone and uh, and headset. And I was like, Daryl Eastlake, legend, how good. So I walk in and I put on Daryl Eastlake's headphones. I sit down in front of his microphone. I am speechless and they have effects and sound that come through your your headset so you can hear the sound of the cars, you can feel like you're a part of the race. I'm up in the commentary box at Sydney Motorsport Park looking down over the track and it was so loud I nearly went deaf on the spot. He had it cranked to maximum and that's why he used to yell. That's why he used, he was so pumped up because of all that stuff. It was so loud. He could have called anything. If he... He could honestly call me hanging the washing on the line and it would have been a major event. He was oh, so- oh, here we are, back on the short jacket. He's got two pegs, two pegs on the shorts. <laughs> We've gone off script here. I can I can hear David Dowsey about to crack the whip and tell us to get back on, on track here. But I think one year at the Commonwealth Games, they put him under a set of stairs to call the weightlifting because he was too loud. Yeah, they moved him. I, I've, I've had people in, on the broadcast right? side of things said, yeah, at Olympics, some, was it the Olympics? Wherever it was, yeah, he had to be moved to his own special But was facility. he, I mean, he, he was half deaf, I take it. That's why he was shouting. I mean, it's not just a race calling. If you're in a restaurant with him and he ordered something, would, yeah. he, would he go to the big shout? Oh, or- Jeff Willems passed the salt! Oh, the big fella, the huge salt! I reckon I reckon he, w- he would have got it. He had a booming voice but an absolutely beautiful heart and he would have yeah. won you over, Jeff, if you were having a meal with him at a restaurant. There's no doubt about it. Anyway, uh, commentating under a set of stairs, I feel you, brother. Um, I, here am I in a... <laughs> in a closet because they're worried I've got COVID. I don't have COVID. <laughs> Let's press on with the latest VFAX news now. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off there, Rusty. Uh, the alarm just went off, mate. It's uh, it's, yeah, it's time for you to do another COVID <laughs> test. <laughs> a quick break to talk about Bendix brakes, specifically their general CT brake pads, the perfect braking solution for everyday driving. Bendix General CT brakes utilise stealth advanced technology, offering smoother and quieter braking for more comfortable day-to-day driving. Ceramic technology means that they also deliver improved stopping performance, low dust, low rotor wear and 
enhanced durability. Bendix Blue Titanium Stripe technology removes the need for bedding in, and noise-absorbing shims reduce vibration and noise during extreme braking. For the perfect everyday braking solution, ask your mechanic to fit Bendix General CT brake pads. Available from all good Bendix stockers. Bendix, put your foot down with confidence. Help me, Jeff. Sales by vehicle category and fuel type. Off you go, my friend. Come on. Yeah, thanks, Greg. And there's, there's some little gems in here. So in February, 5,932 battery electric vehicles were sold. Now, that is quite incredible. So year-to-date sales account for 6.3% of the new vehicle market. But let's, let's put that into perspective. In 2021, which obviously isn't far away, mm. so let's, let's call it two years for the sake of the argument, for the month of February, we sold 262 electric vehicles two Unreal. years ago. Wow. Unreal. In 2022, we sold 600 for the month of February. In 2023, month of February, 5,932, nearly 6,000 electric vehicles sold in February. How quick is that to go from effectively, Massive. you know, if you go back to 2019, it's almost zero. Mm. We go 262, 600, and we're now – you know, just shy of 6,000 for the month of February. That's a, a phenomena that is getting paced very, very quickly. If you drew that on a graph, yep. it'd, look like, it'd look like Evil Knievel's rant, wouldn't it? I mean, it really would. Some commentators have drawn the same conclusions and analogies around when computers came into offices. So remember, you know, when we first had computers, you know, they were some of the early ones were Apple's and a couple of Microsoft things that, oh, yeah, these things won't catch on. You, know, you might have one at work, but you'd never have one at home, okay? Yeah. And then that curve went through the roof uh, in a meteoric sort of fashion, and I think we're, we're looking at something similar here. I, I think it will be a fast, upwardly turned curve. Jeff, can we just um, just peel this a little bit here? Because this is a big figure, right? So uh, what are the drivers of this, I mean, you sort of touched a little bit on it a moment ago in relation to sort of incentives and things like that. And if you look at the numbers, uh, Tesla killed it, didn't they? They they're like sixty percent of almost sixty percent of the cars for the month of February were theirs, weren't they? So I'm just going to tell you how it is, Greg. Okay, because uh, mm. you know I'm just going to be very upfront about this. Are you guys comfortable with that? Always. Are you ready? Yeah, of okay. The majority of people that are buying electric cars are cashed up middle and upper class people because they can afford one and they like the idea and they can buy one. So for the time being, Greg, that driver is around people that want one, they're going to afford one, and they're going to go and buy one. And as you say, we know it's about price because the majority of people that are buying them are buying Teslas. It's not the cheapest electric vehicle by any means uh, in Australia at the moment. But that sends very, very positive signals into car markets. When people see these cars in the fleet, you know, the, whether it's the MGs or the Polestars or the new Mercedes-Benzes that are coming through, it, it's really positive stuff. Once we get to a point where manufacturers are offering, to your original point about uh, people that have the cash to go and buy the more expensive battery electric vehicles at the moment, once we've got one that is you know, a bit more commonplace yep. or, or a more entry-level style price, that will change it again. This is really telling that in February, we sold more pure electric, battery electric vehicles than we did hybrids. That's massive. It is. And it, 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 does the number there, it's down 29% for hybrids. Correct. Is that right? 29%. Wow. 29% down on February last year on hybrids. It's almost akin to the to the MP3 player. That's a great analogy. We don't remember the year they came in and we don't remember the year they disappeared. However, 
hybrids have been with us for 25 years. So, you know. But I've if- been waiting for this to happen because I think I've said before, all my friends only ask me yeah. about electric. Same with me. No one comes up to me and says, <laughs> tell me about these hybrids. No, no one. I think there is still life in hybrids. Uh, taxi drivers love Taxis them. Love taxi them. drivers love, love them. them. Yes. And that Toyota Prius, I mean, that was really on the market 25 years ago. So we've actually had a, an MP3 uh, for 25 <laughs> years. And uh, and we're, we're moving through that into the uh, battery electric vehicles. And, you know, let's see where the policy puts us this year. But let's not lose sight of this either, that in February we still sold nearly 45,000 petrol vehicles. That's still a slight increase over last year, but they're holding their market well. Diesel vehicles for February, we sold 26,443. A decrease of 10.8% on February last year. Again, you know, one month isn't a trend, but I haven't seen diesel drop 10.8% in any statistics that I can remember. So people are making a decision, look, do I just get another petrol car or do I just go straight to battery electrics? The thing about battery electric vehicles, Tesla and Polestar and BYD, they didn't exist as a brand that we know in the common vernacular 10 years ago, some of them not even six or seven years ago. And yet the people that bought them used to buy one of the other brands. So we know that some of that brand loyalty is shifting and we also know that the overall car market, the actual volume of sales hasn't changed that much. So if we just say, look, average Australia, one to one point million vehicles, we're still in the same ballpark, Mm. but we've got new players in soaking up some of that market. So let's have a look at some brands and uh, medium-sized vehicles and people movers were still the best performing markets for the months, recording sales of 93.1% and 60.8%, uh, that's people movers. This is the question for us. And when we talk about electric vehicle markets, particularly from the Asian countries we buy them from, we're still fixated by large vehicles in Australia. It's still a thing that we like. We like a big motor, we like a big four-wheel drive, and we really need those four-wheel drives to come in electric form before people make those transition because there's no indication in Australia that people are saying, I want to get into a smaller European-style car. It's not there. In terms of brand, best for the month for February, Audi, 281 sales, up 401%. Uh, GWM Ute, the 4x4 Ute, up 538% with 715 sales. The Hyundai, I get this wrong every time. Go on, he's going to say You ready? Yep, go on. Tucson. Tucson. I see, I I can't even say it. (laughs) Tucson. 1,556 sales. The Kia Carnival, 1,136 sales in February. Um, so all the, you know, really good sales for some of those top brands. The best sales performance in the luxury sports vehicle segment in February. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Bentley. We sold forty-five Bentleys in February, up from twenty-two vehicles sold in February last year. So that's over double the Bentleys sold. McLaren four sales up from one in February last year. Lamborghini fifteen, up one over last year. And Porsche six hundred and fourteen, up forty-three percent. Jeff is. Some of those numbers you've just run through there. Uh, you love the whole notion of a bit of Grand Prix fever, don't you? I think two things are happening. One's a bit of Grand Prix fever. Now, this is the second secret for today, <gasps> okay? So I've already given you one. Here's another one. When you look at those sales, I'm sorry, Greg, I'm going to go back in there, okay? When you look at those sales of particularly Ferrari, McLaren, Lamborghini, I'm wondering if if there's a whole lot of cashed up people going, do you know what, if they're going to bring in new rules around electric vehicles and restriction of supply of internal combustion engine vehicles, Ooh. I'm going to go and buy one now because I'm not sure what the rules are going to be. So, you know, I think that's possible. But also 
let's look at some of the slippage there as well. We did have some sales declines. Uh, Jaguar, uh, Lotus, Maserati and Rolls-Royce, they all slid a little bit for the month. But overall, Toyota led the market in the total market of 14,332 vehicles sold. So that's 16.5% of the market. That's vehicle sales for February. But Toyota normally hovering around 18 to 20% of the vehicle market in Australia anyway. So that's that's a bit lower for them, but it's still, I mean, you know, who wouldn't like 16% of the car market in oh. Australia? Uh, Mazda was second. Look at the drop. Mazda was second in terms of market segment ownership, if you like. They sold 7,000. 667 vehicles. Half. But mm. only 8.8% of the market. You're right, Greg, only 8%, followed by Ford, 6.9% of the market. Uh, Kia, 6.9%. Hyundai, 6.3% of the market. You know, again, you've, as soon as you come off of Toyota, there's a big gap and then they slip, you know, in the under-10s quite quickly. The Ford Ranger, still the highest-selling model. I love it. 4,473 sales uh, for February followed by the Hilux, 3,939. And the Tesla Model, here we are, the Tesla Model are. 3 sold 2,671 uh, vehicles. A couple of years ago, Tesla went on the top 10. No. They weren't anywhere near it. Here they are, they're third in the top 10 vehicles types sold in Australia. I'm going to ask you, Shane, first, mm-hmm. is Tesla going to take the number one spot? Let's go from the 2,671 can that get up around 4,500 sales of that Tesla model and when's it going to happen? If we go back through all the figures we've mentioned just in this show, then the answer has to be yes. Yeah. If the data is true and yep. it is true oh, it's pretty, and, if, and if you yeah. believe the numbers, yep. then the answer has to be yes, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, look, I think the answer is yes. It's it's not if it's when and uh, and it's not good or bad. It's just what it is. That's just what people want to buy and they're buying them and uh, the fact they're on the top 10 list is phenomenal. But these economic trends are something we've got to look very closely. If we get it, if the economy starts to nosedive, if things slow down significantly, you know those figures might move around considerably. Um, let's hope that doesn't happen. But you know, look at some of those states that have got a bit of wobble. They might be early indicators of where we're going. But irrespective, I'm holding my ground on this one, Greg. We will sell 1.1 million vehicles in Australia this year. I'm sticking with the figure. And Jeff, you know what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm going to paint a little picture. I'm going to paint a little picture for you. Yeah, go on. Neat, neat, neat. Yeah, g'day, Mrs. Jacobson. I've got two Lambos and a Ferrari. <laughs> Where will I drop those off, love? Shane didn't tell Mrs. Jacobson about those coming either, yeah. did you? <laughs> oh, it's an investment. It's an investment. Or the one point five million dollar private plate I just purchased. Is it plate number eighty? It was me. Well, the plate might cost you more than the car. <laughs> I did. I've told you that story before. I sat in a. I think we've talked about it on the show. I sat in a two point three million dollar um, Bugatti Veyron where the car was worth one point one, but the number plate was worth one point two because it was F one. Unbelievable. We need a quick break here on the grill. Stick around. Our feature guests just round the corner. Looking for reliability? Switch to Denso and you'll understand why their products outperform anything else in the industry, from ignition coils to engine management sensors, AC components and alternators, filters to fuel pumps and much more. Plus, 
cutting-edge spark plug technology that makes Denso plugs sought after worldwide. Built to last the distance and keep you on our roads longer. Thanks to the industry-leading testing facilities that they have right here in Australia. At your next service, be sure to ask for Denso. Or you can find your part at denso.com.au. Time now for part two of our feature chat with Elise Elliott, co-host of Cool Cars alongside the great Dermot Brereton. It's a brand new TV show which highlights some of the coolest, best and brightest in the automotive industry. Now, last episode, as often happens with us, we got a little bit sidetracked with Elise and ended up talking about your dream car and how much you like to surf and so on. But I think it's time we talk about this exciting new show. I'm so excited about this show. Thanks to our friends at BACC, Dermot Brereton and I are hosting a show called Cool Cars with Dermot and Elise. I'll let him put his name first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a great show because we get to really explore Australia's love affair with cars and Australians yeah. love their cars, whether they be utes, now this sort of push towards more SUVs as well. Um, and also we really look at, automotive careers and apprenticeships, there are yeah. just so many jobs out there and they're ripper jobs mm. and they're, they're they're amazing. And the automotive industry is so multi-layered yeah. and people just sort of look at cars and don't realise behind the scenes how many extraordinary jobs there are as well. So we, we get to interview apprentices, we get to drive around in, I mean, the list of cars that I've been put in. Some I think are... Uh, you know, an attempt to euthanise me because this <laughs> one in particular, a 76 Tirana SS308 hatch, yep. hooning around in 4,000 degrees in the Brisbane oh, Badlands. Well. It didn't even have a handbrake. And I'm like, Oof. I think these guys are really trying to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's Dermy will chat to you about some of the, the wonderful cars he's driven. But, you know, I got to drive a Kenworth K200 truck. Oh, nice. 69 Ford Falcon XT GT with the number plates GT. <gasps> really? Yes. Uh, Elise, caveat here, Shane has an obsession with number oh. plates, like big time. I buy private plates that don't go on cars. This is a true story. <laughs> you can ask the guys. Oh, in your pool room? I do. They're in, in my office. I have some of them that I've purchased. Oh. Um, a Blue HJ. I've got a Blue HJ Ooh, Kingswood. Nice. I brought a plate, Blue HJ, with um, white on blue yeah. and then – Got it home and went, I'm not going to put that on the car. I'm going to keep the original black and <laughs> white. put it on the wall. But I've got it sitting there. Yeah, I, I literally, I, I, I'm obsessed with it. Was it actually GT yes, or was yes. it a dress plate? No, it's, you it's drove the it? one. I drove a GT a, with the number. Nice and I, I actually, it's the first time ever I went, oh, number plates, yeah. as good if yeah. not better than the car. But what are your thoughts on play on words in number plates? Oh, no, I'm a, not I'm a not, fan. I'm not a fan. Love them. Love them. <laughs> My wife. It doesn't. My wife's a lawyer. I mean, she's smarter than me every day of the week and every minute in between. But she can't decipher number plates, so it has all these weird messaging. And she always goes, "All right, what does that mean?" And I, I can just read them because I, I speak number plate. Yeah. I, I'm all for it. If there's a gag on a, are you kidding? Yeah, You've gag. got six spaces on a small bit of steel yeah. Yeah. to make a sentence or a gag. Genius. Oh, behind the scenes. Imagine laughing, but doesn't the joke wear thin? It's like never. Yeah, you know, it can a bit. It no, can, it's like a bit. play on words for rhymes with banker, you know, and it's like. <laughs> hey, I don't have a go be? at your kids. Don't have a go at my number plates. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will not let you talk their number plates. <laughs> I, I actually, that. I did see one that was Elise. It's for sale at the moment. Oh. But I think the only car you could put that on is a Lotus Elise. Nice. Oh, yes. And then you get away yeah. with it, which yeah. is not a great car. Well, it's the only it? car we can put it on. You can put it on your car because your name's yeah. Elise. Oh, no, but really? Really? <laughs> but anyway, so that, that was a great car. Some new cars too. Bentley Continental we were Ooh, talking nice, earlier about yeah. um, yeah. like nice W12. Felt like a boss lady in there. With that. luxury though. With luxury. With luxury. Luxury. Oh, goodness me. I mean, it's got all the bells and whistles, mm. that car. Can Quite I ask smooth. you the question that I used to get asked all the time? Yeah. And I'm just so glad to be able to just whack the tennis ball over the net. Yeah. Now that you've done this show, what's the, what's the favourite car you've driven? I get asked all mm. the time because uh, of my time on car shows. Yeah. What's your favourite you've driven? Well, it, it, and it kind of surprised you. It didn't have to be a favourite. It yeah, can be it one did. that surprised you or one that you think's the best. I think uh, a lot has to do with with the atmosphere and where you are and, yeah. and why, how you're doing yeah. it. And it would have been um, a McLaren GT and I got to drive it on the Spa-Francorchamps, the Belgian F1 track in the snow. Mm, so, nice. I mean, you know, you could drive. It's a context, isn't it? You know, it? you, you could got drive everything. a Mr. Whippy van and still find it exciting yes. around yeah. there. Well, that's so... all we've got time for, Elise. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, so you've beat us. Now, yeah. If you get off our show now, you've made us all look foolish <laughs> and boring. I mean, I, I sort of – I went over with McLaren. I sort of was a victim of Stockholm Syndrome. Actually, they were like my captors and I feel totally in love with them. I'd been sort of ambivalent about McLarens before then. But that GT is the perfect fusion of a supercar and a Grand Tourer. Yeah. And what's not to love – and those dihedral doors – Ooh, I know. That open like not great in the did you know, Victoria to, Gardens car park. But <laughs> did you want to drive with them open to see if it would fly? Yeah. I'm always tempted. <laughs> yeah. There's gotta be a point where it's they lift. It starts That's to go. what that button was for. <laughs> yeah. Right. The one with the aeroplane on it. I should yeah. have pressed that. Should have pressed that <laughs> fly mode. But that, you know, what what a privilege. Honestly, yeah. that was an – I'd done a tour of Woking the, the McLaren headquarters and, and got to drive that car. And you you know, in life you have those pinch yourself moments, and that was really one of them. I thought this is a really a real motoring privilege, and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Is woke in the factory where they make all these woke children that are accusing me of <laughs> yeah, saying yes, everything wrong on the planet? Is that where- no, that's right. That's where the the uh, cancel culture. Began. It is. They're manufactured out of a factory there. I didn't know. In Woking, that's it. it is an amazing facility, and the fact that you got to see that is um, is pretty special. The show. Debuts March 23, Seven Mate. What about some of the cool things along the way? I think I spotted on your socials. Was it a was it a, a Jag, a bit of a special Jag? Oh, I know. That, that was very nice, the Jaguar. I think in terms of old cars there, a 66 Austin Healey, 3000 Mark III, it was a B word to drive. It was tough. Uh, and But that was along the coast of Tasmania and that was wonderful and we were down there looking at a VACC um, mechanic Workshop, and yeah. a shop down there, which was great. But, you know, I love my cameraman goes, just keep driving past. And I, I didn't have the heart to tell him it's about an 80-point turn without power steering, <laughs> you know. It's That's like, right. And then, it, you know, into reverse and, ah. Oh. Mm. Um, but, you know, that was still pretty fun. And, um, yeah, I think the truck was a highlight. I've 100%. never felt that high and mighty. I'm a little bit vertically challenged, but, so that was but, fun. But there is something amazing, if yeah. you will, and I know I'm overstating it. When you climb up there and get yeah, on, you feel like you're driving a house, don't you? Yeah, you're sitting you on, sitting like on a you're chimney, driving, driving you're a house. You're in charge. You're in charge. And do you know what I didn't know? Just a smaller thing. The horn really is a... Uh, uh. <laughs> it, it is as loud. <laughs> I didn't know it, that. It, is, it is. It is loud. You pull that rope. I had to just, pull that rope. How good is it? Yeah, really good. But Dermy, Dermy's a real truck fan. He rode a lot of bikes as well, so... 
Mm. He's great to speak to about those. But me and Dermot shared a little history together as ambassadors for motorbikes. And used to do some oh, stuff back in the yes, we did back in the day. Oh, yes, he does great. love his bikes. Hey, I'll, I'll talk about those air horns because they are louder than you think, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> I've got a friend in America who put a small compressor. <laughs> on a golf cart and mounted the uh, the horns from a freight train underneath it and used to let it rip on the golf course. Now that is comedy. That's <laughs> no, great. Do you know what I was reading though? You, it's actually illegal to use your horn for how we all use our That's horns. That's right. Like yes. you're only supposed to use it to get people out of danger. Right. Or, right. Or, warn another right? driver. Correct. It is. It's right. there to warn another so driver. So it's not to say turn right. You no no no. no. Sorry. Sorry. Or about you that. changed without. Or you didn't let me in. Rude. <laughs> so. Yeah. And also, how long is too long on the horn? Three seconds. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's supposed to be. I think a double tap. Is, double tap is, yeah. is polite. One long anything like that is rude. But <laughs> but let's be honest. We're, we're parents. But some... So the last time I, I honked my horn for longer than an hour and a half was this morning when I'm trying to get my kids to <laughs> oh, school. I know, right? And just like I just have oh, to stay on the horn yeah. to get them to come out. But that I works. Know. But I need to tell you this: it's never funny. To honk the horn when there's a mechanic under the bonnet. Uh, oh, All right. no, okay. Uh, I beg to differ. In fact, yeah, I don't even beg, I, I just differ. That. I reckon you've done that. <laughs> We've all done it. I know. You're not going to believe what, you're not gonna believe no, what I just found no, behind, just the, have a look. behind uh, the car. Right, exactly. Yeah, come up, you go. <laughs> have a look what I found behind the car. It was epic. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> have a look what's behind there. You're not going to believe it. Like, yeah, put there, have it back, yeah. Right up near the. Yeah, you've got yeah, to get you nice near one. it. Now, listen, you two maniacs, time is going to beat us here. Elise has been fabulous to come into the studio and chat with us today. The show is called Cool Cars. Check it out, 7, mate, March 23. Lots of great stories, and as Elise detailed there before as well, taking you into some of the, the great projects that the VACC do as well. Congratulations on that. You did, as I said in the introduction today, you did a super job emceeing the Women in Automotive Lunch in the last, uh, in the last year that I attended too, and go well for the rest of the year. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Having supplied more than 300 million clutch kits to OE clients, I just want to say that again, 300 million, Exidy has earned a reputation for trust, respect and quality. All Exidy OEM replacement kits include high-quality cover assemblies, clutch discs and release bearings and are manufactured to strict specifications for fitment longevity and noise suppression. When you choose to fit an OEM replacement kit from Exidy's extensive range, you'll enjoy the same loyalty that they demonstrate to OE clients around the globe. Find out more at exidy.com.au. Got time for a little bit of listener mail before we go. One here from Karen from Paran uh, for me. Loves the pod. Uh, good banter and industry insights. Thank you, Karen. Um, my question is, how do Australian and New Zealand drivers differ? Uh, that's a very difficult thing to answer. Um what I probably can say is that Greg Murphy, who we should get on the pod, Please. incidentally, four-time Bathurst winner, uh, he has a very prominent space over there on driving standards, state of New Zealand roads. He is uh, quite often talking about this stuff on his social media. And he went to town recently about a media outlet over there who did a terrible job. I won't name them. uh, Basically, painting these people in a a city, a town in the middle of the North Island who took tractors out and endeavoured to stop a group of hoons from doing burnouts and donuts and the like, and the media outlet portrayed the tractor drivers, who I'm assuming are farmers, as the bad guys. Wow. Seriously, 
Pull your heads in. That stuff is massively out of line, uh, but there is a genuine want, I think we could say, on both sides of the ditch for better training and better licensing standards. Here's one for Shane, yeah. Gregor from Mount Eliza. Um, if you three guys had a drag race under controlled conditions, of course, who would win? Uh, well, I can tell you before we let Shane <laughs> answer this, Gregor, I would lose because I would yank the steering wheel off, which would put me in all sorts of trouble. So I'd be out of the game. Go on, Jeff. What are your thoughts? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you just put your, you just floor the thing, don't you? It's about the car. I have the answer. Unfortunately, I know a little bit. Or you win. Uh, yes. No. Oh? No, because it's, it's oh. power, power oh. versus weight. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately know a little bit about the science power to weight as well. Ratio. Yeah, it's power. We've got a problem? We've got a problem there? I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in third. <laughs> right. Jeff, here's one for you from uh, Neil from Albury there, up close around the uh, the New South Wales Victorian border. Uh, love the walk and talk with the staff at Bendix. Thank you. We loved being there. It was awesome to uh, to spend time with George and all of the team there at uh, at Bendix HQ. Thank you very much. We'll try and do that again at some stage. Uh, sounded like some really nice cars. What does the VACC car park look like? That's a good question. You know, it's a it's a mixture. It's a it, I've got a couple of people that come in on on cycles. They they ride their bike to the VACC building. We're okay with that. But is there any classics or things tucked away? Uh, that you got, you got David that- Dowsey probably is the person that drives the odd classic in, but uh, not not that I can remember. Not that I, I mean, I just park my car, go to work. He's, you know, <laughs> well, I reckon we need to talk to David and get the secrets. He'll be keeping secrets. He's There'll got, be people he's with got, cars he's got tucked car away secrets. in garages and he's not letting on. He's listening, you too. And if you draw a parallel that he's a classic, you'll be in big trouble, the pair of you. Right. Shall we Shall we move on? It's time for Blow It Out Your Tailpipe. Blow it out your tailpipe. <laughs> it sure is. And, and, Jeff, I'm going to lean on you for my Blow It Out Your Tailpipe <laughs> because in the courts in Victoria, very recently, two per individuals have told, and tell me if I get the wording of this right, the Victorian state government and the charges they put forward on electrical vehicles, they've told them to blow that out their tailpipe. There's a court case. Can you can you tell our listeners, because I was fascinated by this, so tell me if I get this right. There's, you know, electric vehicles get a charge out of the Victorian state government and apparently it's a charge that should be federally or common, should come out of the Commonwealth. And in our constitution, in theory, or in fact, I guess the court case will decide whether it's theory or fact, they don't have the right to charge electric vehicle owners to be on the road for that. This is a court case that if they win would have a huge impact and they must think they can win to take on the Victorian state government and walk into a courtroom. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, if I read this right or heard the right gossip, they've got the Commonwealth on their side. When I heard all this, I'm like, hang on, have I got this right? Have I? You're about 99.9% right. Better than I've ever done on any test I ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, wrong. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, look, there there are a couple of individuals that took this up. So a couple of the states were looking at road user charging. Victoria brought it through. So there's a road user charge for fully electric and hybrid. Mm -hmm. And uh, the notion behind it is if you use the roads, you've got to make a contribution. So I know that a lot of people think that it's a a restricted to buying an electric vehicle, but you've still got to build new roads all the time. Two individuals picked it up and said, look, we don't Chris Vanderstock. Yes. And co-plaintive Kath Davies. That's it. There you go. Uh, They've taken it to the Australian High Court and they're they're alleging that uh, Victoria doesn't have the constitutional rights to collect a levy on vehicles 
and the Commonwealth actually agree with them. So you, even though you've got a federal Labor government and a state Labor government in Victoria, the Commonwealth has said, you know what, we think you might be right and we're going to join you in that action. And uh, South Australia were going to bring in road user charging. New Labor government came in, they reversed that out. So we're the only, we're the only state with a road user charge. It's an interesting thing because it raises the issue about what's in the constitution around the collection of levies and duties, and God forbid that that the lid comes off of that because that's a much, much bigger argument. But really what you're looking for in Australia is you need national rules to be consistent. You need federal policy on this. Now, if the states want to drive it and collect the money and do a distribution with the feds, that's up to them. But what we don't want is a patchwork of different road user charges you know, every time you cross a state border, there is a different charge or a different agency you've got to make a payment to. That is not what we're looking for here. So I think we'll get an outcome, Shane, probably in the third or fourth quarter of this year. This year yeah. Uh, but it will set the scene for yes or no. What we don't need is actually duplicating. You don't need a road user charge for Victoria. Oh, but there's an additional one for the feds. The feds have got one as well. And if you go in, on holiday in South Australia, you need to register for them. That's just ridiculous. That's yeah. just not going to work for anybody uh, at all. So I'm watching this and we're all watching this with a fair bit of interest. Yeah. I think the, the Treasurer of Victoria, Tim Pallas, is probably watching it as well because it <laughs> might have some ramifications for, for budget. But people have got a right to um, get clarity on this. They're actually not arguing it shouldn't be paid. They're arguing that it's being collected by the wrong people. So we're going to have to call this um, segment Watch This Space, aren't we? And, and we will with a great deal of interest. Yeah. Checkered flag is nearly about to wave on this edition of the show. Hey, Jeff, before we go, you brought up budget there a moment ago. Well, should we, uh, given it's kind of budget time, why don't we just do a quick shameless plug because VACC do some great things around apprentice schemes and we should remind people as a part of the show about that, shouldn't we? Yeah, look, I, we're one of the biggest employers of automotive apprentices in Australia. We've got about 546 automotive apprentices we feed these into industry through our members. You know, we, we call it hosting. We put them into the host uh, member sites. It's great for the kids because what it means is, is that they're in a workshop with an employer, but actually we are the true employer. We've got field officers and all sorts of mechanisms around these kids to make sure they go through, that they complete their apprenticeship. They finish their TAFE training on the way through. So we had a big push over the last two years running a women in automotive program to get more women into apprenticeships. That was funded by the Victorian state government and we thank them for that contribution. Uh, and we brought a whole a group of new young women in that are, you know, some of those are in dealerships and in independent mechanical workshops now, working on engines and some in in body shops, which is fantastic. The different models of apprenticeship, Greg, get thrown up around the world and, you know, you see shortcut, fast track, take a bit off the end, make it easier. Most of those programs fail they're not fit for purpose. The reason apprenticeships go really well is you've got a person in a workshop that is learning why they earn and they've got mechanisms around them to support them in that process. And I've been around this sort of stuff for a very long time. I watch and at times study the overseas programs for youth employment into apprenticeships. And we've still got a very good system in Australia. It helps a lot of kids that may not get into these jobs ordinarily because there's no pathway directly to become a mechanic. It really, in Australia, it's through an apprenticeship only. And, uh, yeah, great work to the VACC Group Apprenticeship Scheme team and uh, to all those mums and dads. And uh, we still get mums and dads that turn up with a 21-year-old kid in the foyer downstairs. I can see them. And what they're thinking is, please help me with my kid. Mm. Please help me get my kid into a job. And they're all good kids. I, I have not met a bad kid that's come in for an interview for an apprenticeship 
Some don't make it for different reasons. They're all good kids. They all deserve a break. But you're not going to shake the apprenticeship system off of me because I like it and it helps a lot of kids and it helps a lot of parents. And, uh, you know, and thanks for reminding me, Greg, and the shout out on the show here. Greg, you know, we did a, a program uh, with a women's prison in, in Victoria and we went and got some women out of the prison, you know, on, on, as they were coming. We, we didn't smuggle them out, by the way, as they were leaving prison. And we helped them get jobs in automotive workshops. And, uh, you know, there's a young lady out there now that used to fix cars in a garage with her dad. And unfortunately, she ran foul of the law on a couple of things. She's going to make a fantastic apprentice. She's in there now as an apprentice. Great story. She's going to make a fantastic tradesperson. Let's hope she runs her own business one day. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. And and you were saying it's called hosting. Hosting, yeah. It's just such a great segue because mm. um, I know we're coming to the end of this episode and we've got a host on this show called Greg Rust, who's a <laughs> double host at the moment oh. because we figure, as best as I can tell, currently he's the host of the coronavirus. Yeah. So uh, just, just to let him just to let him do his last goodbye because we've got him locked in a cupboard. Uh, my alarm went off. It's time to do another COVID test, Rusty. Oh. You keep telling us you haven't got COVID. Uh, you've been coughing, wheezing in the background. We've had to keep muting right. your mic because you sound terrible. I, I sat in the in the shoebox with Dettol and everything else. This could be your last chance to say goodbye to our listeners, Rusty. Mm. So go on, host of coronavirus. <laughs> Host of our show. Okay. Goodbye, <laughs> listeners. You've been lovely. <laughs> Listen, we will be joining you with a special next month via the Australian Formula One Grand Prix. Lots of guests, motoring, motorsport, I should say, legend, royalty. Larry Perkins is our special guest, our good mate and Noah of all things motorsport. Neil Crompton will join us as well. And Limo is going to tell us about the antics in not one but two Grand Prix celebrity races uh, and the time that David Coulthard took him around the Albert Park circuit in the Minardi two-seater. So on behalf of Shane, Jeff and possibly my final appearance here on the show. I'm Greg Rust. We'll catch you next time. Bye for and now. as my mate Rusty says, <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Listener.